On today's show, we've got Tari Eason's Rockets season review. How did Tari handle his rookie season for the Houston Rockets? We'll take a look at some of the ups and downs of his rookie year, how he exceeded expectations. We'll take a look at one game, one play, and one number from his rookie season that stood out to us, giving him his overall season grade. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select... Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on that's pricepix.com promo code locked on and as always thank you so much for making locked on rockets part of your day every single day whether it's on the way to work on your lunch break in the gym thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day Joining us now to help break down Tari Eason's rookie season is none other than Frank from the Rockets Chop Shop. You can follow on Twitter at FTank58. And special announcement, I hope you like hearing from Frank because you're going to be hearing a lot more of him as he is now the newest member of your weekly rotating co-hosts here at Locked On Rockets. Frank, it's going to be a ton of fun having you on the program more consistently, man. Yeah, bro. I'm looking forward to it, man. Definitely something that, um, you know, we've talked about in the past and I'm glad we finally have the time where we can both get into this because yeah, I'm sure a lot of uh, the viewers are going to love it. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. And then yeah, let's get into some ball, man. Pause. Oh, that was a big pause, bro. But uh, <laughs> let's talk some ball. Hey, I like that's, that's that's how I start. Hey, I, if I'm gonna come into a show, I gotta come in with the biggest pause on LOR history. So, I, you know what's crazy? Right. I, I don't even know if that's the biggest pause on LOR history oh, wow. is the problem. Okay. Hey, look, Madison's had some bad ones, so like he he just had a bad one last episode. So it, anyways, all right. Okay, well, I guess I'm just fitting in then. I'm just, <laughs> there you okay, go. Guess, right, we're we're staying yeah. on brand here. It, at LOR, which is important. All right, let's get into Tari Eason's rookie season because I think when we when we kind of scale things back and we kind of go to the beginning, right? Kind of the expectations for him coming in, 17th overall pick. A lot of Rockets fans were really excited. I know I was really excited about the Rockets picking him up. And then he came into the year and really hit the ground running, right? A guy who doesn't ever really get any plays drawn up for him, just goes out there, scraps, plays, kind of thrives in that chaos on the floor, for better or for worse. And I think through, what, roughly two-thirds of the season, Frank? I mean, he looked like he was having a better rookie year than Jabari Smith Jr., and I don't even think that that's not like a hot take or anything. It's just he was the better, more productive, more impactful player for a majority of his rookie season, really until Jabari kind of came online there for the final one-third of the year. Yeah, and, you know, to me, they are almost like polar opposites of each other and how their, uh, what's the word, I guess mannerisms uh, kind of presents itself on the court. 
you have Jabari, who's a player that's really dependent on structure. And in the lack of structure that Steven Silas's kind of regime held for him, he struggled a lot. And then Tari Eason, even dating back to LSU, is a player that he really doesn't need anything but just the court and the basketball um, to be able to be impactful. And I think he was able to thrive in our offense, in our defense, and just in our on our team based on the fact that he kind of thrives in chaos and we were kind of chaotic. So um, definitely something that I did notice from him. Um, and it's like I said, it dates back to LSU. Uh, I would love to see what I'm curious about for him is like, can he be polished? Cause we saw a lot of things that went a little too far. And I think they're, you know, <laughs> like the missed, the, the missed layups. <laughs> oh yeah. The missed layups, go. the I'm going to go one on five, you know, on a fast break with the, you know, with us being, maybe it's a closed game. You know, some of the bad decision making, some of the just I mean, he takes some pretty dumb shots, too. But, you know, at the end of the day, he still was more good than he was uh, a negative on the court. Um, I think for me, like I want to see, can this kid be polished? Because there's a lot of good about Tyreese. And he's probably one of the biggest probably surprises for uh, maybe the whole his whole class as far as expectations versus what he actually delivered. And when you when you use the term, we we throw the term around like you know a raw product all the time when we're looking at like NBA players and what they are. Tari is like if you look up the idea of a raw NBA player, that's what Tari is, right? He's just he. If you could get him to that place where he is a bit more refined, both on on offense and on defense, because you see so many of the flashes defensively, what he can do, disrupting plays, playing passing lanes, on ball, off ball all the different ways that he can be an impactful player on the defensive side. And then even offensively, right? I think the biggest surprise on offense, at least, you know, until the, again, that tail end of the season where his three ball started to crater a little bit, he was shooting the three ball at a pretty consistent clip for a majority of the year. Yep. And that was like the one major knock on him coming out was like, okay, is the shooting going to translate, right? Can he be an effective, like, you know, three and D player at the NBA level? And he was shooting, I want to say he was hovering what, like 37 ish, 37 and a half percent for a majority of the year before it finally cratered a little bit. So that was a really exciting development just across his rookie season. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that was something, um, one thing I also liked, he flashed a little bit of uh, being able to ball handle and, and do some self-creation, um, especially getting downhill um, compared to like Jabari. Once again, I'm not trying to, you know, just beat up Jabari, but you could see the contrast. If you had told me with, you know, let's say I just dropped in like, uh, you know, Brendan Fraser in that movie. I don't know. You might be too young for this, Jax. Encino Man or something like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I am not that young, <laughs> Frank. Yes, I've seen Encino Man. It's a great movie. <laughs> Okay, so let's say I'm in Cena, man. You tell me that one of these two guys was drafted um, third overall. And I would probably think it was Tari, right? Because just the, the impact that he has. To me, you know, I've said that he has all-star potential. I know a lot of fans like to big up their players and their young players. But I do see a lot. And like you said, he is like that unmolded piece of clay that Steven Silas just really just rolled out there and just kind of gave him a buffet and Tari's one of the guys you got to kind of put him on a diet on some things. And I think what um, coach Udoka is going to do for him is going to be able to hopefully refine some of those things where he knows there are consequences for some negative behaviors that he he does on the court, like take bad shots, like, you know, making, you know, one on five fast break attempts, uh, just throwing the ball up randomly at the rim and just hoping that it goes in. So some of those things, when they get refined, you look at his overall game, he can dribble. He can attack the basket, the three-point shooting. He's a 37% spot-up shooter. Um, he can defend, especially in isolation. 
you know, he can defend multiple positions. Uh, he struggles on bigs, but pretty much one through three, he, he's, he's a solid defender. Um, transition, even though he misses layups, he's still a good transition player. Uh, I, I just think there's so much upside for him. Then his frame, he's built like somebody that's been in the league already two, three years. I know he's a little bit older um, than uh, Jabari, for example. You know, Jabari being 19, he, uh, he's probably, what, 21 by now. Uh, but there's just so much. He actually just turned 22. He just turned 22. Okay, yeah. That so threw me off. Rookie. I didn't realize he was that much older than yeah. Jabari. I but. think he was 21 his, uh, his, his rookie year. And, you know, I'm not one of those guys like that gets off on, on players being younger. You know, there's some like some people that do like draft and stuff. If they just, Oh my God, uh, he's 18. Like that doesn't mean it's a good player. Like I don't care if a guy's 23 and he's a rookie. I mean, if he can play, he can play. You're still going to get 10 to 12 years out of those guys if they're in the NBA. So yeah, I, I just, you know, I love, I love Tari. He's one of my favorite players and the guy's just, he's a grinder, man. He works hard. He's a hooper. All like, there's nobody, I haven't found not one person that could say something negative about Tari Eason. Um, as far as just like a fan base outside of our fan base. And he, he's probably one of the brightest spots we had this past season. Coming up, we're going to get into some more of the good and some of the not so good from Tari's rookie year, as well as we've each got our one game, one play, and one number picked out for Tari's rookie season. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Jimmy Butler to have more than 26.5 points? What about LeBron James to have more than 7.5 rebounds? How about Nikola Jokic to have less than 6.5 assists? Or what about Jamal Murray to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players. Do they score more or less than their prize picks projections? You can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. They've got you covered for all the action. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And right now, every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, one PrizePix user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. But you have to download the app to find out how. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we have you covered for all the NBA lottery coverage. Doomsday is almost upon us. Man, it's going to be... It's going to be tough, Frank, going through that lottery situation. I'm going to be, I don't know if I'm going to be more nervous for this lottery than like the 2021 lottery with the OKC pick ramifications, whatever. But this one's going to be pretty nerve wracking. It'll be close to that one, I think. Nah, this this is definitely like times a million. I, you times know, a million? Because really? Because they could have lost million, the other bro, pick, this, man. This is, the, the, this is such a pivotal point for the Houston Rockets on many levels. And the, the lottery literally determines like a thousand other moves. So I'm not just looking at it in a vacuum of just the pick, like yeah. the, the domino effects down the line. I mean, it could really shape our, our franchise going forward. Like every time I think about it, I get like heart, heart palpitation. So uh, <laughs> it, it's been, <laughs> I get nervous. I get that weird feeling in my stomach, like something bad's going to happen, but I'm just going to hope that it's just, you know, it's just, just me being a Houstonian and 
uh, used to uh, the universe hating us. But hopefully that ends this year, man. Positive thoughts. I, I you know, we're we're gonna get it. Hey, man. Yeah. Look, the uh, that that corgi that's been picking all the uh, the playoff winners and losers so far. The the the, the, the corgi <laughs> that does like the bouncing yeah, ball like into the buckets. Yeah, yeah. He picked the Rockets to win the Wemby sweepstakes. And that Corgi hasn't been wrong yet. And that Corgi lives in Houston. I found out the guy who owns the Corgi oh. lives in Sugarland. So even more reason for it to come true. So I don't okay. know. We're, we're putting our faith. So not only, not only is it uh pray for Victor, pray for Victor. it's also believe in, unfortunately his name is, I think the Corgi's name is Steph Furry, but oh Lord. I, I, so right. any, I know it, it feels wrong to like, you that know, put our faith any in good vibes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Suddenly it's a wash at this point. All right. Neutral, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's keep let's keep focusing here on on Tari Eason. Yeah. Frank, we've got we've each picked a game from the season that stood out to us about Tari and kind of, you know, arguably maybe not necessarily his best games of the season, but just ones that stood out to us for one reason or another. Go ahead and give me the game that stood out to you the most. Yeah, the game for me, um, you know, he's had a lot of like great games, um, especially scoring and, and rebounding obviously we know he's a gifted rebounder he has he has a very great uh sneaky elite second step uh second jump on when he's at the basket um but to me one of the things that i'm really excited about tari is his defense and one of the best defensive games he had was against boston when he started um uh i think this was a game that pretty much towards the end of the season that we ended up beating boston and he actually got to start that game and the reason being that I like that game is one of the first times that I got to see him and Jabari play against another set of elite wings. And um, a long time ago, like during the summer league, I made a video um, called uh, Tari and Jabari clamp Chet. And one of the things I pointed out in that video was the fact that when those two players are adjacent to each other, the amount of space they cover on the court, like when they're like just laid out, like if they have their arms out in the defensive stance, both of them, the whole half of the court is like shut down. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sucks that it took so long for us to get to that point in the season where we got to see them play significant minutes. But what, you know, how they played switching on the Boston um, players because Boston likes to, you know, attack the paint, drive and kick, drive and kick you to death until, you know, you get a wide open three. Um, but, you know, Tari Eason was able to uh, hold his own and him playing next to Jabari kind of gives you a vision of possibly what that duo could be defensively um, going forward. So I think in that game, he was so impactful. Um, I mean, there's a lot of games that he, he does a lot of things on. The thing I like about Tar, he does a lot of little winning plays um, that you won't, it doesn't show up, you know, even though he's a stat, like a stat king, he still does the little things and that'll spill over into some of my, um, you know, my uh, favorite play. But um, yeah, that Boston game was definitely something that I would say was one of my favorite games for him. Just how uh, seamless him and Jabari played together and how well he played against uh, Tatum and Brown. Uh, guarding and holding his own as a point of attack defender. To your to your earlier point, it is really disappointing that we basically went all, what felt like almost the entire season before seeing those opportunities or more opportunities with with Jabari yeah. and Tari sharing the court together because Silas basically treated them both as exclusively fours. The same, and realistically, yep. yeah. Like I mean, it was it was just as far as his depth chart goes, it was Jabari goes right here and Tari goes right here, and I can't ever play him again. Like that's frustrating because both of those guys had the ability to play essentially three through like five almost. I know Tari maybe struggles a little bit against some of the bigger, you know, fives out there, but I think that in, if you wanted to just throw him out there as like a pseudo small ball five and just say, all right, we're just going to run and gun and maybe he'll be a mismatch for the other team. I feel like you could get away with it because of his tenacity for, or, or I guess his tenaciousness when it comes to being on the, on the boards and maybe get away with him at the five spot. But it was that it was kind of that rigidity from Silas, right? Where he just didn't really experiment much with the lineups. I fully agree, man. It actually bleeds into, 
the game that I picked because that was another game uh, where Tara Eason got the start and it was actually the game uh, at home against the Golden State Warriors. And yeah. this was a game where Alper and Shingun was out of the lineup. And so the starting five, uh, the front court was KJ Martin, Tari Eason, and I guess Jabari was technically your five in that lineup, the small ball Jabari five lineup, uh, as well as Jalen and KPJ out there. And this was like a, it was a really competitive game. So first off, Tari's numbers, you know, jump out off the page in this one. This was, I believe, tie, he tied a season high in this game, if I'm not mistaken, 21 points. He had 12 boards. He had an assist. He had four steals in this one. Uh, shot nine of 16 from the floor. He was only one of five from long distance in this game, but you know, you, you hit one more of those and suddenly we're talking 40%, not 20%. So I won't, I won't fault him too much there. But this game was similar to your point about the Celtics game, right? Where when the Rockets ran kind of the, the Jabari, Tari, four or five lineups, then you saw them switch everything. You saw them kind of lean into that switching style defense and you got to see a little bit more of the defensive versatility and what could be accomplished with both of those guys sharing the court at the same time. And this game was actually super competitive. Like the Rockets, I think only trailed by like four going into the final quarter. And they were like right there up until like the, I think it was like the six minute mark of the fourth quarter when I think like Steph Curry and Clay kind of got hot late and just started draining threes. And it was just kind of all, you know, over at that point, it was like, okay, young team plays competitive game for three and a half quarters and loses in the four in, in the final frame. But even then they made a bit of a late push, kind of got back into it. And I I thought that was one of those kind of games where you look at the competitive nature of these guys and kind of how they were going toe-to-toe with a really good Warriors team, albeit one that was struggling to win on the road. If memory serves, this was the this was the game that the Warriors won that ended their road losing streak, unfortunately, this season where they had lost like 13 straight games on the road or something stupid like that. So yeah. it sucks that it had to happen against the Rockets. But uh, and there was also a contender for my favorite play of the season from Tari in this game. It didn't actually win out for me, but he had like a poke check against Clay Thompson in this game where he was checking Clay on the perimeter, poked the ball away, recovered it, goes coast to coast and like he's got like clay like on his hip and he winds up like smacking clay in the back of the head before going up for a dunk. And it's easily like one of the top five plays from Tari's entire rookie season. So that's why, like, that's why it was my, my personal favorite game of his. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that was a great game um, that he played um, the San Antonio game. I think it was the second one. Um, he also had a great, I mean, everybody had a good game that game. Yeah, I, re- um, I remember but. looking through like the the, the box <laughs> scores and trying to remember these games. And I was like, I immediately ruled out the two back-to-back Spurs yeah, games. I was, like, these games don't, I was like, these games don't count. I can't count these. <laughs> if you if you look at a, even a lot of our bad losses, it'll be like a 20-point loss and he'll be like a minus one. Um, and, you know, that just goes to show like he, if if we had like season awards for our team, um, he may have, you know, if he played more minutes, he might have been the MVP because when Tari was on the court, the Rockets were usually winning games. Um, I, it was just something that he did um, in the games where he played over 29 minutes, pretty much 30 minutes. We were five and five. Um, and, you know, the plus minus for those games were, you know, fairly close minus a couple of them. Um, you know, at some point in the season, he was top like five in deflections in the entire NBA, even though only playing like backup minutes. Um, he's, he's, if you look at our team ranks, he's probably top three in almost every category. Um, he has been an analytics like darling since LSU. If you look at his analytics in LSU, he basically scaled up to be a player that would be an MVP someday. You know, um, everything was, uh, you know, 99th percentile across the board. So I really think like he's a huge steal. And like you were pointing out earlier, the, the big, disappointment of having um 
him and, and Jabari not really share the court. And Silas's just lack of imagination with these players, especially in a year where we're going to try to be competitive now and have new players come in. And we don't really have a lot of data sets or data points to know, like, how do these guys still fit? And I think that's one of the biggest, like, things that I really was disappointed in this past season. I would have thought this is the season that we're going to experiment. We have all these young guys. Let's try to get as much data as possible. We're, if we're tanking, this is the time to do it. You know, go hard, put Tari, Garuba, you know, Shane, like mix it all up. Uh, we never really got to see that. So we, ne- we, never, even really got to see, we never got to see Garuba and Shingun share the court together. Which is crazy. We saw, we saw, I don't know how many times I've had to say it, but I, I, it bears repeating. We saw <laughs> Shingun and Boban share the court in Boban. legitimate minutes before we saw Shingun and Garuba share the court in legitimate minutes this, this past season. That, that is, I mean, I, I mean, I really, I don't know what just happened this past year. I'm still confused. I guess it may take time, but um, I'm just, I'm glad that's over. Uh, I, I do feel a little bit like, you know, this kind of leads into with the Ime Yudoka and kind of evaluate, you know, some people say, who should start? What guys are you out on in on? I really hope every single player on the roster gets a fresh start, like gets a fresh kind of, you know, fresh assessment on who they are and how they fit in the NBA, because whatever they were running before to me wasn't fully beneficial to every single player. Um, I'm, there are, you know, there are certain lineups that Tari was just healing it in and he only got a few, you know, a few chances to be in those lineups. There's some, you know, some players that he paired up with that they really paired up together well, but didn't really play with them that much. I just never understood the rhyme or reason behind a lot of the the lineups that we had. But, you know, just to show how great of a prospect he is, he overcame a lot of that just by effort plays. Just imagine if this this kid was actually, you know, kind of forced to play into a certain style that mitigates a lot of some of those, what we, you know, some of the dumb stuff that we see, some of the boneheaded stuff and, and what that would mean for him. Think about a coach that would value what he brings to the, to the court um, that would give him minutes, you know, that would not treat him like, you know, the third string uh, player, even though he he's one of your best prospects that would actually give him the time to get those minutes on the, when the dude plays minutes, he produces, it's like, my uh my my judgment for stars when I look at it, I'm not saying Tar is going to be a star, but if I can look at your minutes and or your production in a limited sample size, and I scale up and the constant stay the same, to me that that tells me okay this person can be an impactful player in the NBA. I'm sure that's what Daryl Morey saw with James Harden and OKC. You look at James Harden's analytics numbers and OKC crazy, crazy, and then when you compare them to when he played a lot in OKC, it stayed crazy. So Daryl's mind is probably thinking like, hmm, okay, this is real. Tari has the same thing. Yes. His numbers do not drop off. Sca- keep, scalability is a, is a huge key at the NBA level, right? Because some players might be able to kill it if they get, you know, 10 minutes a game. They might kill it in a small sample. It's the reason, right? Like right. when you look at like Boban's numbers, right? He's like, if you look at his per 36 numbers, he's the greatest player of all time. Yeah, but Boban yeah. can't actually do that over the course of a 36-minute game. That He doesn't have the scalability factor to his numbers. Um, coming up, we're going to get into our, we've still got our one play and one number from this season for, Ta- uh, for Tari, as well as we got to give him his actual season grade. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right, Frank, I gave you first crack at the game last segment, but I'll give you the choice here this time. Do you want to go first on the play or you want me to go first on the play? 
you can go first. Let me see if, if we... If we overlap, we, we might have the same. I, I don't know. Mine is so random. All right. Wait, all right. We'll, we'll see. see. So for me, I was, you know, kind of going back through and looking at some of the plays that stood out from Tari's season. And the one that I mentioned from the Golden State Warriors game almost took the cake. Uh, but instead, I went with, and this happened earlier in the season, and man, was it such an exhilarating moment. The game that the Rockets played against the Orlando Magic and Paolo Bancaro had the ball on the perimeter. And Tari clamped up Paolo, ripped the ball from him, and went coast to coast and slammed it on the other end. That, to me, was my my play of the season for Tari. Because, he had, first off, he had a lot of those. He had a lot of moments where he clamped up a guy one-on-one, no issue. had one against Jalen Brown where he had Jalen Brown on a drive. And it kind of looked like he had Jalen moving in slow motion almost on the drive. And then he elevated and just blocked the shot straight out of bounds with, like, relative ease. Um, so that was another good one, an honorable mention, if you will. Uh, and I'll even, I'll give one more honor. Well, I won't do any more honorable mentions just because I don't want to <laughs> steal, I don't want to steal any of your plays, but, but that no, to no, me was, was the best play for me was, was him ripping Paolo because obviously, right. There's a, li- there's going to be history there between right. Rockets fans and magic fans and Paolo Bancaro and the, you know, the, the one that got away, what could have been. And so seeing him get ripped by Tari was a great feeling. Yeah, that was, I remember that play very vividly. Great, that was a great, great time. I we won that game, right? Yeah, we if did. I remember yeah, yeah. Correctly. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I I would say my play is is not one that he made like directly, but it was back to that Boston game. Uh, like I said, one of my favorite games. It was the if you remember that was like a one point game. Uh, I think we won on the last second miss by uh, Jason Tatum. Yeah, and the play was Jabari was guarding Jason Tatum. Oh, I know, and. Yeah, you already know this play. Yep. I, uh, I've talked about it before, but um, Tatum actually beat Jabari, and Tari like just instinctively just came in, like um, he. I think he he tried to block uh, Tatum's layup, and just the fact that his wingspan and his arms were so long, Tatum had to do some crazy adjustment, blew the layup. Tari got the rebound and just held it up in the air like that, just the whole time. And uh, I think Jabari went over and gave him a hug because he knew that. Bro, you had my back. I just got destroyed, and I was about to lose the game, and you you saved me. And, you know, they gave each other hugs, and uh, Tari just had the ball up in the air. I mean, that to me, that that's like he does stuff like that all the time. Like he's always making these, these kind of um, just gut plays that I know it's not something like he's he's like thinking about it. It's just that's what he does. He is a, and I have an analogy for them, like uh, a football, you know, for some of the football fans. He reminds me of um, Ed Reed. And Jabari reminds me of Ray Lewis when uh, the Ravens had a great defense. Yes, yeah, this is locked on uh, NFL. <laughs> but, <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're locked on Ravens now. <laughs> yeah, locked on Ravens. But the reason I say that is because Ray Lewis was like this technical gap sounded, like he, everything he re, he makes to rewatch his film, it's like, everything is just like by the book and he's going to be where he's supposed to be all the time. And Ed Reed was like the, co- I remember there was a thing on NFL uh, films that the coach would just, uh, he didn't even tell the, the, uh, Ed where to line up. He lined up wherever he wanted to line up and he'd fake stuff. Like he was doing all this and it was just chaos for him, but it just worked between him and Ray. Obviously they won two Bowls, two hall of fame defensive players, bringing that, that back to Tari and Jabari. The reason I love the, the pairing of them together and, you know, I don't want to use Jabari to take some Atari shine, but they just help each other out so much in the things that they do. They complement each other so much that to me, this coming season, um, I know everybody is, we you know, we've all talked about Jalen and Kevin Porter, 
But that duo, I think, is one of the most untapped uh, resources the Rockets have, um, especially on a defensive end. And Tari, I feel like, once again, like he has so much like polish that if you can just get him to just mitigate some of the little things that I do, to me, the sky's the limit for him because he has all the tools. He has all the tools uh, to be a great player. Yeah, that that pairing. I mean, so much like like you said, all the focus is on what happens with Jalen, Kevin, how they're going to look. But bringing in a guy that is a hard nosed, defensive minded coach like Udoka, who's going to see what those two guys can do defensively, like he's going to. I think very. I think very quickly we're going to see Udoka tap into their ability to play off of one another, to help each other out, to balance each other out, all that. Like you just pointed out, I think we're going to see that right away next season, And, and it's only going to get better assuming he's he's able to kind of refine both of their games a little bit more get them a little bit more polished offensively that that duo to me screams like the future starting 3-4 of your team and that's also why you know at this current point we're talking about you know potential free agents and who the rockets may or may not want to bring in like to me why would you why would you want to commit 25 million to a Dylan Brooks when Tari Eason can give you like 80% of that production might even give you better production, honestly, for a fraction of the price. Like it's just at that point, keep Dylan Brooks as far away from this organization as you can. Um, I think there, I I agree with you, man. There's something special uh, about Tari Eason for sure. Uh, Go ahead and give us your, your one number that you've got for us, Frank. My one number is, is plus 27. Okay. And that is the, uh, the, the plus um, it's the differential when Tari uh, Shangun and uh, KJ, Jalen Green, and Kevin Porter Jr. played together. Uh, this was one of the most elite lineups in 159 possessions in the NBA. And this, you know, this better than Goon Squad. Um, but once again, Coach Silas being uh, stuck on trying to get fired uh, did not really go real full t- tilt into it. And a lot of this, this lineup played a lot before Jabari started playing well. Um, so the reason I chose this number is because it really shows the versatility of Tari Yis and um, him and Shangun have great synergy together. So if if he's going to play that role where KJ was playing, which I know he can, and Jabari is not the worst player in the NBA next year, and Alpi is who he is, and uh, Kevin and, J- and Jalen keep progressing on. I mean, t- like like I said, they were plus twenty seven. These their points per possession was one hundred twenty eight point nine. Uh, defensive point per, per, per possession was 101.9. You know what I mean? And so this is a lineup, like, I know Coach Udoka is going through a lot of uh, these stats and looking at certain lineups and player pairings and things like that. To me, this one is the one that's going to stick out on the page for me, like, because you already have four of your uh, your young, like, starters, depending on who you get in free agency. And then, I mean, those are the guys that are the core. So you have pretty much four, if you consider KPJ the core, three or four of your core already on a, a, a squad that is a plus 27. Um, and I think that's very significant. And all of that works because of what Tari Eason does. Um, to me, the pairing with him and, and Shangun, once again, the, and the KJ part is is just a dynamic thing. If, if Jabari can kind of keep doing what he was doing, um, learn to play a little bit more, uh, you know, more off ball, moving, not just standing there, um, kind of get into his bag in, the, in his mid range, attacking the closeouts like he was doing to end the season. And Tari just keeps doing, you know, Tari's one of the best cutters we have on our team. Obviously, he's a beast on the offensive rebounds, him and Shangun. Uh, it's it's a lot to be excited about. And I think a lot of, you know, the fans may see our team as very one-dimensional and label these players like, oh, Shangun's bad on defense or KBJ can't be a point guard. 
but they is just give all of them a blank slate because the conditions they were functioning under is are not normal NBA conditions. Now they're trying to win. They're trying to be productive. I really think they're going to surprise a lot of people, um, especially if, you know, with the core that we already have in place and you add a Wemby or Scoot to that, you know, now you might, you may be cooking. Some. Yeah. I've, I've, when I found myself kind of revisiting some of these, you know, player reviews and everything, looking back to the season, it is tough because it, it's really hard to draw any concrete, you know, conclusions or, or, you know, anything about these players and what they went through these last couple of years, just because they didn't have the bet. They didn't have any sense of structure. They didn't really have a team identity, right? A, a lot of it was just throwing the ball out there, rolling it out there and letting them do kind of whatever. And so even right. I'm even extending that grace towards a guy like KPJ, who even, you know, we, we've got our question marks about the, you know, is Kevin Porter Jr. A point guard, that whole discussion, which is just, you know, decimated rockets fans for the last year and a half, two years. I'm willing to kind of go into this, you know, next season with Udoka, if KPJ is still on the team, if he's still the starting point guard, right? Clean slate. And when you bring up that that stat, you bring up the, the plus 27 with Tari, man. Again, assuming Jabari can keep up that same level of production that he had to end the year, I think it's pretty safe to say Tari can give you, can replicate a lot of, I guess, the, the counting stats, the production that KJ gives you, but with added size and better defense and art and actually better shooting too. He's just, I think it's safe to say Tari's just a better player than KJ. And that's not a slight to KJ. Yes. Tari's just really good. So if you can envision a, a starting lineup in some capacity of Jalen, Tari, Jabari, Shingun, and then whether or not KPJ is that fifth guy still playing the point guard spot, or maybe it's, you know, some pie in the sky scenario like James Harden comes back to Houston, whatever. That's a lineup that can start winning you some games right away. And the proof is kind of right there in the pudding. Again, assuming some of those things hold up. Um, the number I picked, and you you hinted at this earlier in, in our second segment, I picked 162. 162, you want to take a guess at what it is, Frank? Uh, miss layups by Tari. <laughs> Damn! Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm playing. He doesn't deserve that. That's <laughs> no, I'm playing. That, that Not a, oh my! That's an oh my! <laughs> no, no, it's so it's actually um it's deflections. So it's total oh, okay, okay, okay. total deflections on the season for Tari Eason. He led all rookies in deflections, and as you alluded to earlier, right at one point he was like top five in deflections, despite the fact that he was getting you know bench level minutes. Uh, it was really funny because, you know, for a guy who racked up the number of counting stats that he did this past year, right, he did so in, like, half the amount of time that other, that's, like, players, like, other saying. rookies did and other guys who were, like, legitimate staples of, of rotations getting 25, 30 plus a night. And he's doing it averaging, like, 20 minutes a game. But the deflections to me just, his, the most impressive thing to me about Tari, right, is just his overall defensive instincts and he's he was good on ball but I even was more impressed with him off ball right how he was he's just he's a ball hawk right he's a guy who plays passing lanes he breaks up plays he reads things really really well he anticipates he's got a great nose for the ball when it comes to rebounding just all the little things you, you kind of pointed out right some of the stuff that Tari does doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet and I do think that deflections even though they do show up you know in the you know tracking data whatever is it a guy who can break up a play just by simply getting, you know, a fingertip on the ball and deflecting a pass over to a teammate or whatever is huge because having a guy like that who occupies so much space on the floor and can be that much of a defensive deterrent over the course of a 48 minute game is huge to a guy to a team that wants to be, you know, a plus defensive team at some point in time, right? And having Tari on the court made the Rockets a better defensive team just by his presence alone. So 
that being said, I no, again that's that's, that's that's why I wanted that number. It was not the missed layups number. God, Tari just kept, <laughs> Tari catching not even strays, just dire- direct shots on his own show. This is brutal. All right, Frank, how would you how would you grade Tari's season? Just overall blanket, like letter grade. What would you give him for the year? I'd give him a, a, a minus, and um, the only reason it, it's a minus is because of uh, some of the stuff we've already referred to. Um, the uh, you know the I'm him moments, you know one on one on five versus uh, you know some of the best defensive teams. The uh, you know I'm gonna try this you know reverse one handed no look layup, um, you know just random stuff. That's the only knock on him. But everything else to me, he overperformed. I think he's um, overshot, superseded everything that I think any of us would have thought that he would have been able to do. And he was consistent from the start of the season uh, till the end. And despite all the stuff going on, he didn't look, he didn't have the typical Rockets rookie uh, kind of thing where they just suck for like half the year. Then once they kind of get acclimated to the NBA, they start playing good because there's no really support for them between him and Shangun. Those to me, like, you know, players that are able to do that are players that have their own innate ability to just hoop. Uh, they don't need a structure. Shangun is that like that on offense, which is he doesn't need an offensive structure. He can generate his own structure within his game. Tari's like that on defense and pretty much on every aspect of the game. Like he can generate his own transition. He can generate his own defensive, you know, structure. And on offense, he has little ways that he's able to score uh, when when he does. And like you were just we just talked about a lot. When he gets the moments to do it more with more frequency, he does a great job and he's able to produce even more. So um, I'm cu- I'm just really curious and excited to see one. What does he come back with this coming season? Is he shooting better? Is he bigger? Is he stronger? Is he finishing at the rim better? And then two, how does Coach Udoka use him um, on this team? And you get flashes of the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. How when Udoka became their coach, they really took a big jump in defense so yeah it's it's once again add that to the million things that we're going to be excited and looking forward to this 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 um, offseason and uh when the season starts but yeah man taria is a a minus for me for the grade i'm gonna mirror you there on the a minus and this is actually the first a level grade that i've given out across the the handful of reviews that we've done so far uh jalen was a b plus shingun was a b plus for me i'm giving tari an a minus and again to me it, it it has so much to do with relative to expectations for tari like you said i think he far exceeded any level of expectations i think we could have had for him coming into the year and had he been given even more run right if this was if this past season was a meritocracy and their minutes were awarded to guys who were making doing the most with their minutes and being the most impactful tari would have been the starting four 20 games in. He may have, he may have been the starting four to start opening night over Jabari based on how rough Jabari was out of the gate. It, God, it feels so beer. Like we're not trying to rag on Jabari here. It's just like, these are just facts. Nah, like nah, it's like true. the, the season true. was rough for Jabari. So, but that's just how it was. Right. And, and it kind of, I think there was that dichotomy between how rough things were for Jabari and just how good Tari was. They kind of emphasize like, Hey, Tari can really play, but he's he's playing behind Jabari. And it's like, of course, you're not going to bench your third overall pick. Like, you still need to let him get the run. And there were even points throughout the season where, like, Silas started, like, leaning on Tari a bit more heavily in the rotation where he was like, all right, I'm going to let Jabari rest a little bit longer so I can get some extra minutes out of Tari here because for whatever reason, he wasn't playing them side by side. But yeah, I'll give him the A minus. I thought he really stood out and shine, you know, th- this past season. And it was great seeing a lot of, like, the kind of, like, 
you know, draft analysts and national media pundits, whatever, giving him, giving Tari Eason his flowers too for the performances that he was having, for the impact that he was having. I felt like there was a lot of just kind of general praise about the type of year that Tari Eason was having. And then that showed for both Tari and Jabari in the uh, all-rookie voting, both of them making it to the all-rookie second team. I'm glad Tari beat out Andrew Nimhard for that final all-rookie second <laughs> yeah. team spot. I would have been a little frustrated. Although Andrew Nimhard is nice too. So like, I can't, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't it, fault it, him for that. If Tari had played like the minutes of any like of the first team guy, he would have been easily first team. Absolutely, yeah, and he, yeah. It's just the minutes. Even in fact, his production might have snuck him on there. It's just that he didn't. To me, the minutes didn't make it. Um, that's really what took him out. But yeah, he definitely played like a first team all rookie. And um, yeah, he outplayed Jabari. He is older than him. Um, you know, I'm not sure where their careers are gonna uh, meet up and who goes where. But um, yeah, he's. Once again, great guy, man. Great, great player. And I'm glad that we we took him over. Um, what's the kid that Milwaukee took? Um, oh, I forgot his name, but Milwaukee. I know it was uh yeah, Milwaukee took a guy from uh, I know um people are gonna be mad at me for getting his name. Remember, there was a guy that um everybody wanted from Seattle as well. Bochamp, was it Marjan? Oh, Marjan Bochamp. There we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, that was the but thing. Bochamp went later in the my thing was is when it landed to the Rockets pick, it was between Tari and AJ Griffin. And I was so torn on it because I wanted both of them. Oh, no, I didn't think And Griffin then was. and then the Hawks took AJ Griffin and it was like, all right, cool, we're getting Tari Easton and I'm cool with it. And like at that point I was I was I was all game. I think for there Tari was like Easton. rumors about Bochamp and the Rockets and Stone, like three days before the draft. I just remember yeah. a story coming out. Yeah, but glad we took him. Absolutely. He was, you know, definitely looking back, you know, one of the steals of the draft for sure at pick number 17. Let us know how you think Tari Eason did in his rookie year. Give us the comments on the YouTube channel. Let us know. Give us your grade for Tari's rookie season. But Frank, you know the drill. Let everybody know where they can track you down at. Yeah, at the Rockets Chop Shop, y'all stop by. You know, we I've been doing, me and my, my co-host space, we do live streams through the summer. Um, I may start doing some more breakdown videos, but not really a lot to break down this last season. I kind of want to forget it. So <laughs> <laughs> let's look at, look at <laughs> I'm not going to go back. Let's look ahead. Draft is coming up. Uh, we'll probably be doing a live um, with that as well. But yeah, Rockets Chop Shop. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know your thoughts on Tari Eason's season in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.